My novel Finding Home is available for purchase on February 20th in everywhere that books are sold. One reader called it a spiritual experience embedded in pure drama. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Tell a fantastic story, but reveal all the layers of spiritual truth that were in the prodigal son parable when Jesus told it. But we miss it with our Western eyes. You will be amazed at the Father's incredible love for you. You can find out more on my website, susankamacias.com backslash finding dash home. Welcome, friend. Do you find yourself with an empty nest and a faded vision? Then you're in the right place. God still has a calling and mission for us in the second half of our lives, because you know what? We're not done yet. So join me, Susan Macias, author, speaker, and empty nest mom, and let's explore how our family, our church, and our world needs us. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to start with a question. Are you facing anything that feels impossible? Something that you just can't imagine how you'll find a solution for? Something that, that just seems unworkable? Our whole society seems to be facing some of those things right now. It doesn't seem like there's a solution or a way through the quagmire that we're in. This month on the podcast, I'm working on a series about prayer because I believe that's the most important and effective thing we can ever do. Episode 22, I made the case on why I think we are all called to pray, called to pray, not just, oh, you should pray. This is a calling on our lives as believers, and we need to take that seriously. And really, when we are facing something impossible, it's our best bet. It's the only way we can affect things that we have no agency in, but we know need to change. So today, we're going to go through some steps on how to pray for the impossible. And I want to warn you, it's very important that we very intentionally say, I'm not going to get my little fingers in there. I'm going to pray. We have the example of Abraham and Sarah. They were told to do some impossible things like leave their land, go to a new one. And oh, by the way, y'all are nearing a hundred, but you're going to have a son and I'm going to have a whole people come from you. There didn't seem to be a solution and God was taking his time on fulfilling that promise. And so they decided, I know, let's help God make this happen. And it created all kinds of problems within the family entire wars and situations that have come out of the people groups that came from Abraham and Sarah not waiting and trusting on God. We don't need to help God. He's big enough to do it himself. And yet he invites us into every situation to enter in with agency through prayer. We shouldn't try to go in the flesh route. We need to only fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. So here's some steps on what to do to pray for the impossible. One, pray in faith that God can do the impossible. One of the examples, and there are many, but one of the examples in scripture is 1 Kings 17, verses 17 through 24. And Elijah comes up to a widow's house who's been helping him through some situations through a couple of very rough years. And her precious son has died. And she is mad at God. And she's mad at Elijah because he's the closest thing to take it out on. So Elijah goes up. And it's such a great, real set of verses. It's a short set of verses for a lot that's going on. But you can just hear his frustration with God. Elijah 
got frustrated with God. He complains to him. He cries out. He lays down on the sun. He asks him to give him life. He does it three times in a row before it actually works. He kept at it. Now, it might not happen that fast for us, um, but the example here is real. So we see first, we're going to pray in faith. We're going to believe God can do something crazy impossible, like bringing a dead son back to life. Two, we're going to keep praying, unceasing prayer. We are not going to sin by not praying. Do you know there's a scripture that said that? In 1 Samuel 12, the people are coming to Samuel. They're kind of repenting because they realized they'd asked for a king. He told them not to ask for a king, but they wanted a king. And so now they're coming saying, yeah, we've sinned. And he goes, yeah, you have. And God is frustrated with you. But he's not going to turn his back on you. He is still going to work with you. And then he says this amazing thing in 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. It would be a sin for Samuel to stop praying. Just think about that for a minute. What are those things that you're like, nope, prayed long enough, not going to pray for that anymore. God doesn't ever tell us to stop praying. We don't age out on needing to pray over situations. We can pray for them for decades and decades. And that doesn't mean we should stop. I titled my book, Unceasing, A Parent's Guide to Conquer Worry and Pray with Power. Because in reality, we could pray for our kids our entire life. We don't know when God will move. We just know he has called us to pray for them. If you want more on the book, it is available on Amazon. And I'd love to talk to you if you read it send me a line. I love con- conversing with people about prayer because there's so much there that we don't take advantage of. Okay. So we have had that we are going to pray in faith that God can do the impossible. That was step one. Two, we're going to keep praying whether we re- see the results or not. And three, we are going to get honest. And if it's, if it's needed, we are going to complain to God. We're just not going to despair. When we have a really impossible situation facing us, if we feel like we need to stay all cheerful and go to God with only when we can praise and all that, that's not real and it's not true. And you know what else is the best news ever? It's not even scriptural. Do you know that people complain in the Bible? It's so good and it's not condemned. I mean, sometimes it's condemned, but the reality is that we have a relationship with the Lord. And in that relationship, we get to talk honestly. Psalm 102, I talked about in last week's episode, in episode 22, but I love this scripture. Verse one describes what this psalm is going to be. It is a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. That is scripture. When he pours out his complaint, there's no condemnation of that. And then it goes on. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. We can pour out our complaint to the Lord. And in verse 17, he says, he, the Lord, regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. So we get to be honest. And when we are praying for impossible things and we are praying for a long time and we are seeing the opposite happen of what we think should happen, we need to be able to be honest with the Lord. He never tells us we can't be. In fact, he says, I don't 
I don't despise your destitute prayer. Come to me, all you who are weary. It is okay to be sad in our soul. The best place to take that is to the Lord. We don't have to clean ourselves up to go to God. We go to God and ask the Lord to clean us up. So take our complaints to God. We have to do that when we're praying for the impossible so that we can keep going. Step four. This is a very practical step, but I have found it to be so freeing mentally and physically for me to keep going. Take a clean piece of paper and just write down everything that you can think of about this impossible situation that is bad. Everything, just anything you think of, small, big, things that have happened a long time ago. If it's about a child, you could just write, fill the page with all the stuff that you can think of that are impossible situations that need to work. Then This is the secret sauce, and I'm going to go over this in next week's episode. In episode 24, I'm going to talk about thanking God for everything. But take that piece of paper and thank God for every single thing on the paper. You don't have to tell him why you're thankful. It can feel wrong. That's okay. Go through and thank God for every single thing. And after that, claim everyone for his glory. That somehow those things are going to become a testimony to God's strength. Pray redemption and restoration over every single thing on that piece of paper. Take every single one of those things out of the enemy's hands and place them in the Lord's hands. Once they are in the Lord's hands, even if it's just in our mind that we can finally get unbound with the despair that we're feeling, and we can start praying in hope that God is not unable to work in this situation, It is like the chains have fallen away. We want to put things in the Lord's hands and take them out of the enemies. Now, here's a great thing too: take a big marker, whatever color you want, and color a huge cross right on top of that list. Every single one of those things, Jesus is capable of covering. Nothing is past him. Now you have placed everything in the Lord's hands. Leave it there and keep praying for it. Step five, keep looking for the answer and live in faith. Sometimes these answers don't come right away. Does that mean God doesn't answer? No, it just means that we need to keep looking. We need to live in faith. There's another time with Elijah where he's had this tremendous thing happen. He's called down fire from the heavens and it consumes this um the sacrifice and it, it shows that the prophets of Baal are false prophets. And it's this amazing thing. And there's been a drought on the land because of all the evil the people are doing. And, a- and Ahab, the king at the time, is demanding that there be rain. And Elijah wants to show the glory of God. So he is praying for rain. And in Elijah 18, 41 through 46 is this incredible scripture about how Elijah is praying for rain. He has just seen miraculous, incredible power of God. But now he's just asking for a natural miracle from God. He gets down on his knees and puts his face between his knees. He is crying out to God and he's asking God for, for rain. And he sends a servant up to the top of the mountain to look to the horizon to see if the rain clouds are coming. And the servant comes back and says, no. And then he prays some more, go again, go again. Seven times, Elijah sends his servant up to look to see if the prayer has been answered yet. And on the seventh time, 
it happens. We may not see the answer to prayer for a long time, but will we stay on our knees and will we say, I'm going to go again. I'm going to look again for God's answer to this situation. Hebrews 11 also talks about this. It gives us Sarah as this amazing woman of faith who had no reason to believe. And we saw that she messed up earlier when we started out this episode, which I love how much God puts in scripture about how people mess up and he uses them anyway. He's not ever assuming we're going to be perfect. We, he is going to work with us anyway. But in Hebrews 11, it has go, it goes through a lot of the Hebrews of the faith, including Sarah and Abraham. And in 13, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged they were strangers and exiles on the earth. It may not be on the earth that we see the answer to prayer. Does that kind of freak you out? But seriously, think about it. This isn't all there is. We're not just praying for happiness now. That is a child's prayer. We are praying for God's kingdom, which is now and into eternity. So we need to keep praying. We need to keep looking for the answer. And maybe we will see that answer like Elijah finally seeing the cloud. Or maybe we will die without seeing the answer. That does not mean that God is not going to faithfully fulfill his promise. He is not constrained by time simply because we are. What good news. Okay, the only way to really that I have found to really do this, to keep praying, to believe that God is going to work, even if I don't see it, is to remember to remember who God is and what he's done in the past so I can have faith for what he's doing now. Take another piece of paper, write down all the things that God has done in your life, everything you can think of, the miraculous things. Ask him to remind you or to reveal to you for the first time things that he has done in your life. You can also write down miracles he did in scripture. Write down um, things you have read about in other people's stories that miracles that God has done. It's a good reason to read Christian biographies. We can see the testimony of faith of ways God has worked. You want to keep a running list of your own ways that God is working to read and to remember when you can't feel his hand, when you can't see that he is there, you have to remember what he's done in the past. Psalm 77 is amazing. If that's where you are right now, if you're going, I really don't know that God is going to do anything ever again in my life, read Psalm 77. This goes back to getting to be honest with God. The first eight scripture, no, I'm sorry, the first nine verses of this scripture is the psalmist complaining. He says, when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. He's complaining. He even accuses God. You hold my eyelids open like God isn't letting him sleep. And he wonders things. He wonders, are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten how to be gracious? That's scripture. That's in scripture. That question of total lack of faith and wondering, is God even gracious anymore? And then there's a pivot in verse 10. Then I said, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, verse 11. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. And then he starts um, 
listing these things that God has done, his work, his mighty deeds, how holy he is, the wonders he's worked, how nature has answered to him, how he's led his people in the past. That is what we need to do. We need to remember what God has done. Because when we remember that he's worked in the impossible before, we have hope to pray for the impossible now. Okay, so a quick, quick recap over these six steps. One, pray in faith that God can do the impossible. Two, keep praying. Don't sin by stopping praying. Three, complain to God, cry out to God, but don't despair. Always come back around. Four, take the time to write down every single thing that is keeping you, hindering you from praying, and give it to the Lord. Five, keep looking for the answer. Live in faith that it is coming. And six, remember, remember all the ways that God has acted in the past. That is where our hope can live. So when we remember those impossible things, we have hope. We can pray for the impossible because nothing is impossible for God. And we can pray for the impossible and live by his promises because we know he keeps working into eternity. So no matter what, keep praying. Thanks for joining me today. Check out my website, susankmacias.com to find more encouragement and to be empowered toward taking your next step. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Susan K. Macias. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever platform you listen on. Subscribe and share it with a friend who needs some encouragement to pursue God's call. And what about you? What's Jesus calling you to do? Be brave. Take a baby step. Do the next thing. Because you're not done yet. 